Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. Uh, today, I am talking to myself. Uh, Seth and Stephen both had prior commitments today, uh, which uh, we all knew about. Uh, Stephen uh, was going to make an effort to uh, join us, but he's on a road trip, and, and uh, it uh, just was impossible. And Seth is in the midst of uh, finishing his book. We didn't want to miss a week, uh, and so I'm going to give this a go by myself. Uh, I'm going to do my best to keep it uh, relatively short uh, because, uh, you know, I'm not Rush Limbaugh uh, nor Alex Jones. Uh, As much as I like to hear the sound of uh, my voice when I'm talking, I prefer to be talking to people, not that uh, I don't hope that there are listeners out there um, and are engaged in, in our various conversations, but my self-indulgence definitely has limits. Uh, so uh, w- the topic I thought I'd talk about today when I was you know, sort of kind of wandering through uh, a variety of books and snippets and poems, etc., um, I decided to talk about memes. Um, and I-, I wanted to talk about it because I thought maybe I could provide some context for how I think about memes in the context of the American age. So uh, everyone basically knows what a meme is. I assume if, if uh, you're listening or alive in the 21st century, you know, a lot of times it gets collapsed in a variety of ways. You get, you know, cat memes and, um, you know, kind of just various little humorous transmissions. Um, someone like Richard Dawkins, you know, the author of The Selfish Gene, Um, has this gene meme uh, analogy, which is honestly a little bit simplistic and flat. Um, There are some more serious thinkers in that area than Richard Dawkins. Uh, Not that I don't think Dawkins is a very qualified uh, biologist. I'm sure he is. I'm not really really, uh, pedigreed in that area to evaluate uh, him as a scientist, but, you know, I assume he knows his stuff. He seems to in his books. Uh, I've, I've really only picked my way through a couple of them. Um, but as far as as a reader of culture, uh, he's a bit uh, of an ideologue. Um, there's a lack of flexibility, I think, in his thinking. And his polemics against religion are adolescent. Memes in the sense that I use them, I'm going to get to in a second. But uh, one of the ways that I'd like to give a more specific uh, criticism of, of Dawkins, one of the things um, I, I'm not the first to, uh, to notice or to argue this in relation to Dawkins' use of memes, this idea that essentially a meme functions like a gene and that it can it's the smallest cultural unit of an idea. And these memes get transmitted between cultures the way genes... Uh, ACTG gets uh, transmitted uh, between organisms um, uh, through sexual reproduction uh, or, you know, obviously asexual reproduction as well. But we are, as humans, we're unfamiliar with that, so at least uh, subjectively. So this idea that you uh, can transmit uh, the bit of a culture uh, in a meme and, you know, this is how one of the ways that ideas spread um, it's a pretty simplistic notion, uh, m- mainly because I think in many ways it, it resembles semiotics. So semiotics being the, the study of signs, right? So this, uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before, signs being uh, something that is uh, 
signified um, that that produces a sign. You know, so writing is a sign. Um, uh, meaning uh, syllabries, meaning uh, syllables uh, as units of sound are assigned. Hieroglyphics would be a sign. Um, you know, a stop sign, right? So signs basically gesture or point to some other reality than themselves, right? So a stop sign, for example, though it is clearly what it is, a stop sign, uh, it is gesturing towards some action in the world. It is requiring you to stop. Your name written on a piece of paper, so my name being Travis written on a piece of paper, isn't really about the letters, the syllables, tra and this. It's it's a reference to this other person in the world, namely me. So signs point to something else. Memes become just collapsed signs. So the it, it's sort of like pure surface. So the idea is that somehow the meme contains its meaning, which is, of course, nonsense, because if if the sign contained its meaning, anyone listening to the show right now could go pick up a cuneiform tablet and you you could uh, like just pick it up and read what, you know, Ashurbanipal was doing or something like that. You of course cannot do that because you need to know what these are referenced to. So Memes, I think, in the Dawkins sense or in kind of their common usage beyond sort of cat memes is, is just it's just too simplistic. We use memes in the American age uh, under an entirely different theory. Um, and it is a theory. Uh, it's something I, I thought quite a lot about before uh, before we decided to launch the American age. Um, and its closest analog uh, and by the way, as I describe this, any uh, listeners that have sort of thought through semiotics or science, I'm not arguing that you could not read what the American age is doing in a semiotic sense. I, I'm not saying that somehow what we're doing is is beyond, you know, kind of normal means of interpretation. What I'm suggesting is that the impetus, the motivation for creating the memes that we create uh, and and putting them out there has a different inspiration and objective than is can just be contained in a simple uh, semiotic reading. Uh, so the the analogy is this. Um, I don't know if any of the listeners are familiar with Tibetan prayer flags, but uh, they're usually pretty colorful. You can go on and Google them uh, if you're curious, you want to see what they look like. I'm sure there's videos on YouTube as well. Uh, but uh, Prayer flags, I said Tibetan, I should have said Buddhist prayer flags. Tibet, uh, Vajrayana Buddhism is definitely not the only form of Buddhism that uses prayer flags. So Buddhist prayer flags um, typically have mantras uh, written on them or sutras, right? So these are sutras are basically, you know, like verses from the Bible, right? So collective wisdom of the Buddha. Sometimes the sutras get condensed into, you know, very short um, uh, and, you know, down to the level of a mantra that contains some kind of meaning. The idea behind the, the, the flag is that when they blow in the wind, right, when, which, you know, in a lot of these high-altitude places where Buddhism took hold, Tibet being one of them, the Himalayas, sorry, 
uh, my Sanskrit training failing me right there, um, where you, you know, highly windswept plateaus, uh, and really, I suppose, anywhere in the world, that's probably just overly pedantic of me. The wind blows these flags, and when they snap in the wind, the idea is that that sutra or mantra is being iterated. So every time a flag, so you know, those little blue prayer flags, little red prayer flags, gold prayer flags, every time they snap in the wind, that mantra or sutra is being spoken by the world. It's it's such a beautiful little concept. Now, of course, do I think Tibetan, you know, yak farmers or something like that, when they wander out of their uh, homes and, you know, start their day out in the field or farming or socializing, are they necessarily sitting there uh, thinking, oh, you know, sutra, 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 mantra, mantra, mantra? Probably not, no. I mean, that's to... Uh, that's the sort of the noble peasant idea, you know, uh, kind of the the Dickens uh, Dickensian idea of you know like this the nobility of the peasantry and you get this in uh, George Eliot's Adam Adam Bede, I think the name of that novel is. But uh, no, I, I'm not saying that the peasants that plant these flags are uh, constantly thinking about their Buddha nature. Of course, that's not true. Of course, they're sore or aching or in a hurry and you know, need to get whatever done that day in order to meet some other appointment later or to meet friends or, you know, of course they're filled with the same pedestrian preoccupations in a different context than you or I are. But the theory or the idea, right, so underlying it, the, the random farmer that stops their day, you know, wipes their brow, you know, stands on the plateau and takes a moment to see these flags flapping in the wind, right? To see uh, that moment of possible transcendence, that fleeting thought, you know, that sort of flicks across the mind of their place in a great chain of human beings before and after them, uh, their place in the cosmos of suffering, right, whatever, whatever their particular cosmology might be, or in Tibet in particular, you get this blending of Buddhism and, and shamanism, uh, traditional Tibetan bone religion. But that idea that a blessing is being repeated, uh, and even though, you know, 9,999 times out of 10,000, the person passes by without thinking about it. There's that one time in 10,000 where someone stops, or maybe they don't stop, but they have that thought, whatever the sutra, whatever the mantra is on the flag, or maybe they're not even aware of what the sutra or mantra is, but they know that it is a blessing that is snapping there in the wind over and over and over and over again, right? I mean, thousands of times in the day if you, keep, if you count each sort of flutter of the flag. In the traditional sort of theorizing amongst uh, monks, they believe that this has some positive effect in the world. And, you know, I, I am probably uh, gullible enough to believe the same thing. I am gullible enough to believe the same thing. I think that those tiny little things matter. I think those brief respites, those moments of transcendence, those signs 
right, that gesture somewhere else, that point somewhere else, uh, matter. And I think uh, they matter in ways that are not easily calculable. Uh, they matter in ways that are not figurable, but they matter nonetheless. That is the American age's theory behind our use of memes. So, you know, we make, you know, find some photo or picture, the earth or, you know, a vista or a sunrise. It's tough to not find cliched images, uh, even though cliches don't scare me. Um, and you could probably have another discussion about cliches at some point. Um, but uh, I won't, I'll, I'll try not to go down that road too far. But find some image and pair it with what I would consider a snippet of wisdom, uh, something important to know or remember. And, and that meme, you know, going out into the virtual space, right, so the Internet, and uh, getting in front of people's eyeballs, that, you know, 9,999 times out of 10,000, the person sees it, they like it, they don't like it, they ignore it, they move on, uh, and it doesn't register, right? It's just another thing that, that goes in through their sort of consumer gullet, right? Just sort of like endless rapacious maw for consumption. I know that. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm gullible in some ways um, and quixotic in others, but, but not, not um, foolish. So I know that... Uh, that most of the time, the vast majority of the time, it just gets ignored. But that one time when, you know, whomever it might be who had a very difficult day, who had a really great day, who had a mediocre day, who happened to muster in that exact instant enough attention and focus and care to connect with that meme and take it somewhere, that somewhere for themselves, somewhere personal. I had an experience of this that reminded me of why we started this. I went to the doctor to do some just minor procedure. And um, I, well, I guess, I, so in order to follow Seth's advice to be grounded, I had a, I was getting a mole checked and, you know, so they go in and they prep you and do all this stuff. And, um, in uh, the nurse's station, there was this little, I guess, you know, sort of a meme. Uh, even though it wasn't a meme, it was clearly cut out of a magazine. Um, though we're using meme in a pretty expansive sense right now. So, And it said, work until your idols become your rivals. I'd never heard that. I certainly know that, that idea. That, it's a, very much a, a cliché. Um, I hadn't seen that one before. You know, there's a, I've, I've seen a lot of cliches. I'm pretty conversant in them. Uh, I try not to use them too much, but this was one that I hadn't seen before. And, you know, for whatever reason at that moment, I happened to be paying the right kind of attention, having a fairly affable interaction with this nurse. And I thought, uh, yeah, you know, that that's a pretty good bit of knowledge to kick out into space um, and for someone to stumble across. Uh, and, you know, it, it preoccupied me for a little bit of that day and, and caused me to, to think through some things and think about the American age in, in some productive ways. Um, and so that's what we're doing with our memes. 
You know, that's that's why we make them uh, is for that one in ten thousandth person um, that allows that. That's a little too self-involved. I was going to say allows themselves to see that sort of suggests that you know the sort of the font of wisdom coming from from me pouring forth from me. That's not what I mean. But I mean that uh, that it's going to work for someone, or that's the hope, right? I, I mean, I, I certainly can't know if that's the case, uh, but that is definitely the hope that that this makes a difference and causes someone to reflect on their life or the lives of those around them in a more positive way. I don't think, you know, it's clearly prayer flags and undoubtedly there are a variety you know probably the counting of rosaries and and uh other than as a mindfulness practice i mean the counting of rosaries as a habit um cuz i know there are mind there are christian meditative uh, mindfulness practices that use uh, rosary beads i'm talking about it in a more mindless way as a comfort that occasionally might cause someone to reflect i don't think these things it will change the world, right? I don't. I don't even know that the world needs to be changed or should be changed, for that matter. But that again, that's another podcast. Um, but I do think I do believe that it can have some small effect. You know, not enough of an effect. You know, that's why we have the other programs at the American Age. That's why we do the podcast. That's why we have the TV show or you know, aspirational TV show, The Moral Imagination. That's why we do the website, and we'll we'll have. Uh, a print publication uh, next year, uh, because you have to really to try and move the dial. You have to engage at a at a variety of levels and a multiple of levels. But one of the reasons that you know very large scale, transcendentally oriented communities of strangers, so i.e. religion, I, I tiptoe around that word because my own scholarly work uh, is about taking the concept of religion apart. But so. Let's just say is a shorthand religion. So a lot of those traditions survived for as long as they survived and thrived for as long as they thrived because they weren't just doing one thing. They, it wasn't just a bunch of bishops counting the number of hairs on the head of an angel. It wasn't a bunch of Tibetan monks, you know, making san mandalas. It wasn't a bunch of imams collecting poll taxes, right? So it wasn't just navel-gazing or self-regard. These traditions survived because they met people where they were at many times, right? They ministered to the poor. They treated the sick. They presided over major transitions in people's lives. This is why these traditions are enduring. And of course, the American age doesn't aspire to, you know, we're not out to perform weddings or or uh, speak at funerals, but we are after, we are about um, the resiliency of community and the what I consider noble end of helping human beings see past themselves, aspire to something beyond themselves. Not memes, but signs. Signs of another place, signs of another time, signs of another way or possibility of being. We don't have to realize that world in our lifetimes and, and in fact, probably cannot realize that world in any lifetime. But just the effort, just the pursuit, the chase, 
the work to make that world makes this world better. So that's what I got from memes. That's why we, uh, that's why we make them. I'll end it there. That's 20 minutes of talking. So uh, hopefully that went by quickly for the listeners out there or was engaging. I hope it was. Um, next week, we'll, we'll be back. I think we have a full house next week. I think Stephen and Seth will both be back next week. Um, in any case, uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, this was the American Age Podcast. Mm-hmm.